Hello. Hi. I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Hi. Hello. (laughs) You just look so funny. Um, Where are you joining us from this week, This week, I am once again in my parents' house, but this time I am in my bedroom closet. Um, there are workmen downstairs who are fixing my parents' kitchen cabinets. So if you hear some ambient knocking noises or some of their uh, rockin' tunes, because they're listening to, like, 1960s, like, uh, bop music. Like, it's really good, but it's also, like, a little too loud. So if you hear anything, that that's it. That's why. Um, but I figured being in my closet was a little more, you know. Me. I love your your closet tour. When you get back, we yeah. should just record, find other closets to record in. Absolutely. Well, we've still got Liam's. His is a full walk-in. Oh, yes. Um, so his closet would be actually probably a better choice. Why didn't I use that? Well, too <laughs> his late. His room's empty now. <laughs> you could always move after we're done recording this one. That's Complete true. Complete the tour. Complete the tour. Yeah. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. I never all right, watched well, Pokemon. Sorry. That's okay, but you did some random singing, which means that our friends at home, if they've downloaded our bingo card, can cross that off. Uh, if you're looking, if you're like, what? A bingo card? What is happening? You can visit our Instagram, which is at this podcast doesn't exist. Click that little link in bio, and right at the top, you'll see a link to your very own This Podcast Doesn't Exist bingo card. It's a fun time. Our friends play along at home uh, if they're not driving or other such important things. And if you get bingo, or even if you don't, screenshot it, tag us, share it. We'd love to see it. Absolutely. You can also see all of the photographs that we have for every episode um, on our Instagram, as well as some of our fan art. We have a lovely friend who does some wonderful graphic design, um, and they have made us some beautiful things. So you'll want to go and see that on our Instagram. But you can also send us your own stories and maybe even your own graphic design decisions um, to our our gmail at this podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com we love hearing ghost stories well i love hearing ghost stories (laughs) shannon distinctly does not but muddles through quite well um but we want to know what your conspiracy theories are what ones you believe in what ones you find funny but like you know want to hear us talk about any suggestions for podcast episodes all that fun stuff go ahead and send us an email we love to hear it um and we also have uh f- what are what are they called mailbag episodes mailbag episodes i was going to call them fan favorites but that's not it um mailbag episodes so if you if you've got a story and you want us to tell it on the podcast send it to us we want to read it absolutely and you can be anonymous if you want if yeah, you, you don't, don't have to tell us who you are. Attached to the story, we can do that for you. We aim to please, we aim to serve. Um, we love that. While you're at it, while we're doing some housekeeping, if you could rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, we would really appreciate it. Share with a friend, spread the love. That'd be awesome. Share with an enemy, spread the spread the love. Um, you know, scare them like I scare Shannon. Make them cry. Wow. <laughs> This got really aggressive really quick. <laughs> I came out to have a good time. And I'm honestly feeling so attacked right now. But I'm not attacking you. I You say that, and yet 
I'm not, okay, I, I make this promise and I make it right now in front of all of our friends, in front of Charlie specifically, because I've told, I've told him this as well. I promise that I will not, will not scare you with another episode for another two months. Wow. Yes. Is this, this is such a good birthday gift. You're Thank welcome. You. Yes. Uh, this coming Monday, March 22nd, is our beautiful Shannon's birthday. So, yes, like you're, you're welcome. I giving away all of my personal information. Oh, <laughs> Don't sorry. say my social security number. I don't know it. <laughs> okay, good. It's fine. Whatever. But it is your birthday soon, and people should know that and get, wish you a happy birthday. Go wish Shannon a happy birthday on our Instagram, through our email, however you want to. Rate, review, and subscribe for her birthday. Yes, I accept new subscriptions and high streaming numbers as birthday gifts. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, happy birthday to our Shannon. And you're welcome for your, your early birthday gifts. Two months, Thank man. Thank you so much. No, no more crying. Thank you. Well, you say that, but who knows? I don't, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's really, that portion's on you. I don't intend to make you cry, so. Hopefully it'll be tears of laughter. Exactly. Yes. Good tears. Precisely. Yes. Yes. All right, Emma. We have a lot to get to today. Yes, I'm so sorry. It's okay. No, no apologies needed. I just want to dive right in. Um, I'm very excited. In in my notes document, I... (laughs) I, you know, usually I like to have a little tie-in, a little jokey joke at the beginning. Today, my podcast, my podcast doc is just, it's at, at the top, it just says, intro, question mark, question mark. <laughs> so we're just going to jump right in. I have no jokey joke today. <laughs> so that was the intro. Check. Yay. Well done. All right. So Emma, today... We are going to talk about, or I'm going to tell you about, the Kennedy curse. Yay! Oh, wow. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> well, when we get towards the end, we, we do a little bit of a Wikipedia wrap, wrap up. Woo! Because, spoiler alert, friends, a, a lot has happened to this family. Yeah. So, we're going to do a little brief overview at the beginning, and then we're going to get into it. Deep dive. Do I need to buckle in? Should I? I don't want to buckle into that car. Um. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, transportation methods that are maybe not ideal. Okay. I'm gonna buckle into one. my own go kart. Is that okay? Sure. Great. Great. How do you buckle into a go kart? Is it across the hips? No, I or think across they the do shoulder? like a, a chest situation in case. So I don't you don't know, go rocketing flex. out. Okay. All I right. don't know. I'll. I'll... There we go. Okay. Done. Great. So, for those of you who may not be aware, which I feel like is few of you, but for the sake of trying to be uh, fully well-researched on this podcast, LOL, <laughs> uh, we're going to just do a little overview. So, the Kennedy family, some would argue, is the closest thing that, that the United States ever had to a royal family in terms of public attention and hype and all of that kind of stuff. So the Kennedys were wealthy, classy, and heavily involved in politics, even up to this day, like to the current times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget so Kennedy, that other Kennedys exist. Sorry. How but could I do. you? There are literally so many. There are thousands. <laughs> There's so many. 
Uh, so the Kennedy family originally emigrated from Ireland in 1849. Uh, they were Irish Catholics, which means they had a lot of kids. Woo! And they were opposed to Protestantism, which Ooh. will become mildly important later on. Oh, okay. Uh, so from its earliest days, the Kennedy family was involved in U.S. politics. Uh, Patrick and his wife, Bridget, were the first married Kennedy couple to come to the United States. And their youngest son, Patrick Joseph, nicknamed PJ Kennedy, went into business and served in the Massachusetts State Legislature from 1884 to 1895. Also, I would recommend... For this podcast, if you're like me, when I'm listening to audiobooks or podcasts where a lot of names are mentioned, I get a little confused. And it's extra confusing because the Kennedys like to reuse names. Because they Irish Catholic. Yes. So if you get confused, I would recommend Googling like a family tree. Just I try and be clear about seniors versus juniors versus first, seconds, and thirds in this. But just in case. Um, so... Uh, P.J. Kennedy was the first of their family to serve uh, in U.S. politics from 1884 to 1895. P.J. and his wife, Mary Augusta Hickey, were were children. No, I mean, they were once children, but they were parents to four children. The oldest of these four was Joseph Patrick Joe Kennedy Sr., Okay, so he made lots of money in banking and security trading, uh, which I wrote in my notes, parentheses, whatever that means. (laughs) Securities trading. Charlie would know. I have no clue. Uh, So throughout his career, he was appointed by President FDR as the first chairman of the Securities and, and Exchange Commission the chairman of the Maritime Commission, and the U.S. ambassador to the United Kingdom in the lead-up to World War II. Whoa. Um, So obviously he didn't have all those jobs at the same time, but throughout his career he served in those various positions. That's kind of cool. And he, in fact, Joe Kennedy Sr., he at one point entertained the notion of running for president himself. This is a little quote from Vanity Fair. In 1940, before Franklin Roosevelt announced his candidacy for a third term, Kennedy, then the ambassador to, the, to Great Britain, was often mentioned in the papers as one of the half dozen men likely to win the Democratic nomination. So he was probably going to run for president. And then FDR was like, yo, I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to run for a third term. And the country was like, yeah, we trust this guy. So we've had him for long enough. Might as well keep him. Yeah. You know, so so Joe Sr. never made a run for the, for the White House, but he definitely had this passion for politics. So Joseph P. Kennedy Sr. and Rose Elizabeth Fitzgerald, who was the eldest daughter of Boston's mayor, were the parents of nine children. Oh, my gosh. I forgot this. And There's so many of them. It's true. It's true. Uh, And it's this family unit, Joe Sr. and Rose and their nine children, um, it's this family unit and its descendants that rose to such public knowledge and acclaim. Many of them became victims of the so-called Kennedy curse. 
Uh, so in many sources, Rose is described as an aloof and distant mother, like rarely hugging or nurturing her children, mm. which I think is interesting, especially given um, the time period. So after the births of her two eldest sons, she actually returned to her parents' home in Boston and just left her, chi- uh, her children with the hired help. Oh, um, something, something was happening in her brain. Yeah, I mean, postpartum depression is it's a real, real thing. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so at first, everyone kind of just pretended like nothing was wrong. Because that's the um, time period. Mental health doesn't exist. Oh, just wait. I know. Uh, so after several weeks, however, her father sent her back, quote, to where she belongs. So back Aww. home to her husband and her children. And apparently... Rose was resentful of this, um, which I think could make sense. She's been the eldest daughter of the mayor, so she's been kind of this social butterfly about town, and now she's expected to be at home and not the center of attention really anymore. So, understandable. Um, And she turned her attentions to her growing family, which she viewed as her, quote, new enterprise. Which is very interesting. I think through, I've tried to kind of highlight these moments throughout this whole story, um, throughout this whole history of the very calculated nature of this family's behavior at various points, which I think is very interesting to say the least. So, in contrast to Rose, The senior Joe Kennedy was actually very engaged as a parent, especially for the standards of that time. He met with his children's teachers. He knew their study habits. He knew their friends. um, And I just thought that was an interesting discrepancy from maybe what you would expect. Yeah, it may also be thinking. This is me knowing a little bit about this, but it might be a control thing. Yes, I would say um, to an extent in that he knows what's happening with them. It is very interesting. The One of the articles that I read was more of a deep dive into the, the family life of mm. kind of the original nine uh, and their parents. And it talked about when Joe Sr. was like the presiding head of the table at family dinners he was asking about friends or about school. Oh, okay. And when it was their mother, Rose, it was more like reprimands about behavior Aww. and like decorum kind of stuff. So interesting. Mm. And now we're going to get into what I've titled a list of tragedies. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Uh, so the series of unfortunate events begins with a tragedy that is essentially, at least in part, of the family's own making. Uh, In 1918, the couple's eldest daughter, Rose Marie, nicknamed Rosemary. I like that that's a nickname. I'm like, you just changed the inflection, but okay. I get it. Rosemary is a little easier to say than Rosemarie. Eh, sure. Um, But Rosemary Kennedy was born in 1918. Unfortunately, the doctor that was meant to assist with the birth was running late, and the nurse that they had on hand was inexperienced or and or ill-informed, 
Uh, and she told Rose to keep her legs shut to, like, keep the baby inside, which meant that baby Rosemary was in the birth canal for nearly two hours oh and was deprived of oxygen yeah. while they waited for the doctor. And this judgment call, unfortunately, left the newborn with permanent challenges throughout her life. So she was developmentally delayed, uh, struggling to learn to walk, speak, read, etc. at what was, accept- you know, kind of the acceptable rate of a typical child. Um, and while the Kennedy family did seek out specialized care for her, they sent her to a specific boarding school. She got individualized study with tutors and various, you know, helping kind of people. They did not acknowledge her learning or de- developmental differences publicly. It was like a shameful thing. They didn't want to talk about so it. so sad. Well, and then, yes, it would be sad if it was just like, oh, we're just not really going to acknowledge that this is the lived experience of our child. But they also just straight up lied about what was going on. So her mother just like, Pretended nothing was amiss. Her parents, Rose and Joe Sr., they told Women's Day, like the publication, that their daughter Rosemary was studying to become a a kindergarten teacher. And that she had, you know, all these plans. And I, I don't, like, you straight up lied. Yeah. And I don't know why you would do that because... You know, based on everything that she was displaying, it was not like she was going to, like, catch up and be at that level. So it's not like yeah. she could it's just fulfill the lie. Like, image. Why would you, you know, why wouldn't you just say, like, oh, our daughter's very private. She's very shy. Like, she doesn't want to be out and about. I guess because they're hoping that every kid has their own accomplishment that they can be like, look, see, having nine kids is fine. <laughs> I guess. Having nine kids is fine. You can have as many children as you want. I just can't imagine it. It's a lot of attention. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, they did have, like, a, a live-in, like, maid and cook and Yeah, that's, that, feels, that, that, that feels necessary. True. Um, and then here's just this quote that just breaks my heart. Uh, diaries written by her, so by Rosemary... In the late 1930s and published in the 1980s, reveal a young woman whose life was filled with outings to the opera, tea dances, dress fittings, and other social interests. So she wasn't, she wasn't just a lump on a log. Yeah, she wasn't cut off. She was out and about. Yeah. And she, obviously, if she's writing about it and, you know, is reliving the experience through writing about it, obviously she enjoyed it. Exactly. Um, she could have been and, like a sweet little socialite for her entire life. That would have been so sweet. Hmm. In 1938, Rosemary was presented to the Queen of England as a part of her father's service as the U.S. ambassador to the U.K. This just reminds me of Bridgerton. <laughs> well, exactly. She was named like um, debutante of the season or Aww. something like that. And I literally, I almost wrote it down as, um, wrote down that fact and wrote, like, she was the diamond of the season. 
Um, she reportedly practiced her royal curtsy for hours, oh. only to trip and nearly fall during the actual event. Oh, no. <laughs> but apparently, apparently, Queen Liz and King George did not acknowledge the foible. They just kept smiling like nothing was wrong, which I think is very charming and sweet. Oh. That they were just like, you're doing good, sweetie. You're like, doing great, with their face. sweetie. That's, oh, that's a Jennifer Lawrence at the Oscars moment of, like, you just got to recover. You just got to, like, stand up, smile. Ding. Ding. (laughs) Truly. Uh, So, by age 23, Rosemary's behavior was still very erratic and unpredictable at times. Um, She would throw tantrums. She was also prone to having seizures just because of her, um, you know, from birth, she was faced with... Uh, challenges because of that traumatic birth. But the family feared that these outbursts would cause bad press, bring shame upon the family. Guys, Emma's rolling her eyes back. They're Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. <laughs> Truly. There might be an earthquake in Williamsburg based on Emma's eye rolling. My eye roll. Um, so... Because they were concerned about her behavior, they decided that she would undergo this new procedure, which is a prefrontal lobotomy (gasps) in 1941. Oh, my God. So at the time, this very dangerous procedure was thought to be helpful in curing a variety of mental illnesses, which, yeah, if you cut through part of someone's brain... It'll take care of a lot of things. Yeah. Like, you know, their personality. Yeah, you scramble their frontal lobe, you end up with not a person. Indeed. Uh, I'm not going to go into the graphic details, but my favorite murder recently did an episode about the do- the doctor who designed this procedure, which, no surprise to anyone, has now been disproven as any sort of medically sound situation. Um, so if you want to check that out, it's in the show notes, and you can learn about that. Oh, that's so, uh, like that, I can't, I can't even describe how I'm feeling right now, because that is literally one of the worst things I've ever heard, because I do know how they do that. I'm not going to talk about it right now, because it is very graphic, but it's, oh, that just makes my whole body want to, like, crinkle up into a ball. Well, and it made me even more mad because a lot of the sources about Rosemary Kennedy, they describe her as, like, having a procedure or undergoing this procedure. This was forced on her. It was a non-consensual lobotomy. They were trying to, quote-unquote, fix her to make her normal in their eyes of what would be okay for the family to endure in terms of media coverage. Like... Oh my gosh, you've Indeed. just destroyed a person's brain. And we, ah, uh, uh, Well, and uh. it's, again, it's not like she was, not saying that if she was, like, on one end of the spectrum, this is never justified, right? You, no. Unacceptable. But it's not like her behavior, it's not like she was the Tasmanian devil all the time. Yeah, she wasn't you know violent. What I mean? She was going to events in one of the articles they were talking about, she attended this dance and her older brother, Joe, accompanied her. And, Aww. like, nobody knew anything was 
because she was significant. You know, yeah. she she passed as quote unquote normal. Well, but like, she was probably was like, she was probably having fun. She was hanging out with her brother. She was out in the world. She was enjoying herself. And I'm sure after this procedure, she could basically do nothing but sit on the couch and eat potatoes out of a bowl. Like what? Uh. Well. Uh, you are correct, Emma. The lobotomy, unfortunately, left Rosemary unable to walk or talk. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she was immediately institutionalized at a facility in Wisconsin and basically didn't see her family for the next 20 years. Yeah, because they they're, just... they're Connecticut people, right? Like, they're Eastern Seaboard, at least. Yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah. Connecticut. Like, they just were, like, ship off to Wisconsin so we never have to see or talk to her. What? Why'd you even get the lobotomy? Why did you even have to do that? If you really just didn't want her in your life, you could have shipped... Like, that's not the better solution, but... They were trying... They were thinking, oh, then we won't have to worry about her and she can stay around. But it went wrong, so... Well, because it was a lobotomy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Um, so I'm she did mad. not see her family for the next 20 years, which might have, uh, after that, who would want to see your family? But anyway, um, Eunice, 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 that's a name. Oh, Eunice, uh, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, her sister did grow closer with Rosemary later in life. Uh, and Eunice went on to found the Special Olympics <gasps> and the Joseph P. Kennedy Jr. Foundation, which researches developmental and intellectual disabilities. Which, yes, on one hand, here's a cookie crumb. But on the other hand, why would you name it after your brother? That's a good point. And not your sister who had developmental and intellectual disabilities. Maybe it was like a... Again, a media thing of, like, this will be the better choice in terms of I feel like the name. better media move know. would have been to be like, hey, we messed up back in the 1940s. We yeah, acknowledge that that was messed up. When are they, when are they going to say sorry for their actions? They're politicians. Yeah, we'll get into that more. Uh, but there's at least, somebody else I want to yell at. At, so. at the very least, there was a tiny silver lining in that the Special Olympics now exist. Because that is already an incredible thing. So, Yes, indeed. So that kind of concludes the sad chapter of the Kennedy curse that is Rosemary Kennedy's story. Um, again, partially to blame on the family. Well, honestly... But her birth was not advantageous. Yeah. No, so. the the nurses did her wrong. Like, I just can't imagine hold imagine holding a full baby inside of your body for two hours when all it wants to do is come out. Yeah, I don't, I don't even how? know how that would be possible. But even if the, I feel like even if if you crossed your legs, it would be like, well, doesn't matter. <laughs> Here it comes. I don't know. I don't. I cannot speak from experience. Me neither. I just... <laughs> talk about trauma. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, moving on to our next chapter. Mm. Turn the page. Um, I don't know. I, I, why did your book make that sound? I don't know. I can't... I don't know if I can yeah. do a page turn sound. Um, anywho. So anywho. Like, his, like his father before him... Joseph Kennedy Sr. groomed his son for a life in the political spotlight. Because, of course. Yes. So, 
the eldest son of Joseph and Rose, named Joseph P. Kennedy Jr., yep. was raised with a political career in mind. After his birth, shortly after his birth, his maternal grandfather, Mayor Fitzgerald, announced to the press that this boy would one day be president. Uh-oh, dude. You and don't he make was calls like, like not that. Even, he wasn't even, you know, like he was fresh, fresh out of the oven. <laughs> In school, Joe Jr. was well-liked. He was a competitive and healthy athlete and a good student. Kind of your all-American all boy. Red-blooded American. Child. Yeah. Yeah. Upon reaching college, he reportedly told some friends that he was going to be, quote, the first Catholic president of the United States. So at least at that point, he can kind of have a little bit of say in his path and his destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's funny that, like, at least that one has a little more validity than, like, the newborn child. Yeah. <laughs> like, this what? Maybe he wanted to be a painter. You the, don't know. The baby is is shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> He's rolling over in the nursery. He's like, thanks for your Hello. Vote. Thank you for your vote. Wah. Wah. <laughs> um, so, okay, we did that. Um, <laughs> I was, was going to read you the same quote again. I was like, no, we already nope, checked. Nope. Uh, so, In his schooling before college, he was educated at a Protestant boarding school, which his Catholic mother really did not approve of. But Joe Sr. was like, nope, he's going to go and he's going to get well-educated. He's going to brush elbows with the elites. He's going to, it's going to prepare him. He's going to have a springboard for the rest of his career, the rest of his life. Not a bad idea. Um, And then after that experience at the boarding school... He spent a year abroad between prep school and college uh, at the University of London under the formal tutelage of socialist professor Harold Lasky. And it's interesting that he was studying under a socialist um, Jewish man because his father was very much a Catholic, anti-Semitic capitalist. But Joe (laughs) Sr. was like, no, I want him to... Be educated in all aspects because when you're in politics, you have to be able to see other perspectives. And, That's very that open-minded. It's, yes, sort but of. Like, but then it's also like, I don't know, it's just kind of gross feeling. It is but. It is gross feeling. And I think it's because the knowledge of you, this dude, is very much like against the things that he's telling his son to learn, means that he's going to try and use that to be like, yeah, but they're wrong. Like, you can learn from them, but they're telling you the wrong things. Like, you know it all. But Yeah. Well, and one of the articles said um, that Joe Jr. did come back from London uh, more liberal than his father, but with his his Catholicism intact, which I thought was interesting. As, what? <laughs> Well, his virgin, you know, his crop circle of Virgin Marys hadn't been breached. Yes, indeed. Call back to a previous episode. We love it. Um, <laughs> had not been breached. I can't. Uh, so Joe Jr. graduated in 1938 with a Bachelor of Arts degree in government from Harvard. And then he enrolled at Harvard Law School. Oh. So nothing but the best. Mm. We're taking care of business. Taking care um, of business. Every day. 
Um, so Joe Jr., he was a Massachusetts delicate. Nope. Delicate? <laughs> he was a delicate little flower. Joe Jr. was a Massachusetts delegate to the Democratic National Convention in 1940. He reportedly planned to run for the U.S. House um, for the U.S. House of Representatives from Massachusetts' 11th congressional district in 1946. However, he left before his final year of law school at Harvard to enlist in the U.S. Naval Reserve in June 1941. Okay. Yeah. So we're approaching World War II. Things are happening. Um, He trained to be a naval aviator. And upon completion of training, was sent to Britain and became a member of Bomber Squadron 110. Mm. He completed two tours of duty in the winter of 1943 to 1944 with 25 combat missions. And at that point, he was eligible to, to return home to the United States. But instead, he decided to volunteer for Operation Aphrodite in 1944. This mission entailed dropping explosive-laden drones in the general direction of military targets. In the so, general direction? Well, the idea the idea was that you would drop them, you would get them going in the right direction, mm-hmm. so then the remote control aspect could take over. Obviously, the technology was not as sophisticated uh, so it was kind of just like giving it a shove in the right direction. Military precision. Look. <laughs> just look. I don't know. What else <laughs> I don't. I don't know. What... Look. Look at it. Look. Just look. So on August twelfth, nineteen forty-four, a uh, Lieutenant Kennedy's plane exploded over East Suffolk, England, king- killing him and his co-pilot, Lieutenant Wilford J. Willie. And Kennedy was just 29 years old. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was that young. Event. Um, and the cause of this accident was never officially determined. Mm. So, was it a curse? We don't know. Yes. Uh, the weight of political legacy now fell on Joe Jr.'s younger brother, the second Kennedy child. John F. Kennedy. Woo, we know this one. Well, when he heard news of his brother's death, uh, JFK reportedly told his friend Red Fay, quote, now the burden falls on me. And then in another, in a different article uh, to Vanity Fair, Jack Kennedy once said, it was like being drafted. My father wanted his oldest son in politics. Wanted isn't the right word. He demanded it. You know my father. Oof. So, we'll come back to JFK. Just okay. We've got a few we'll other. Come back. We have other tragedies to describe to you. Attend to. Indeed. So next up, we have Kathleen Kennedy, whose nickname I absolutely love. Her nickname was Kick. So she was called Kick Kennedy. That's so cute. Which is... So precious. Um, And the photo I have of her for the Instagram is so cute. Like, she has this bicycle. She's just... We love it so much. That's Um, so cute. Definitely check out the photos. 
So Kick Kennedy was the fourth of the nine Kennedy children and the second daughter. She spent a good deal of time in Britain due to her father's position as ambassador to the UK. And she really, you know, met a lot of people. She jived well. She really enjoyed her time there. Her name was Kick. Um, Like, how can you not? Right. Uh, While she was working for the Red Cross over in Britain, she met and began a romantic relationship with William Cavendish, the Marquess of Harrington, known to his friends and family as Billy. (laughs) Uh, And Kathleen's mother, Rose, did not approve of this relationship because Billy was a Protestant. He was an Anglican. Ma'am, but he's he's a Marquess. She doesn't care. He's a Marquis. She doesn't care. She Billy, does not care. Marquis Billy. Like, come on. She, Rose Kennedy does not care about earthly money if your soul is at risk, Emma. Ah, all right. All right. Fair. Fine. So Rose saw that his Anglican faith was an affront to the Kennedy family's Roman Catholicism. She reportedly even tried to delay their wedding. Um, which I would just love to know more yeah. about. Like what's, how... that, what's that monster-in-law situation look like? Right? Exactly. Um, she was, however, not successful. Kathleen Kennedy and Billy Cavendish married in May of 1944, uh, and Kathleen was 24 Aww. at the time of the wedding. Good. Tragically, oh, Billy, <laughs> Billy died that? in... Tragically, Billy died in battle just four months later, leaving Kathleen a widow. Oh, no. She did journey back once to the U.S. to visit her family. But after that, she did decide to remain in Great Britain, despite the wartime dangers, Um, which I think is interesting, nice. I don't know. It might be that she felt like it was more like home than... Right, Boston and who wants US. to go back to staying with your mother who tried to, like, delay your wedding? And would probably say something to the effect of, I told you so, when your husband ended up dying. You know. Uh, but ever the social butterfly, the Lady Harrington, then struck up a romantic relationship with the 8th Earl Fitzwilliam. I'm a loving kick. Kick is great. <laughs> Whose name? Are you ready for the full name of the 8th Earl Fitzwilliam? Yes. <clears throat> William Henry Lawrence Peter Wentworth Fitzwilliam. <laughs> the last two are hyphenated for anyone that cares. Um, I love that. That's he great. also, he went, he went by Peter. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> you know, you can't just go around being like, I'm the 8th Earl Fitzwilliam. <laughs> How do you do? I would. That's okay. me. Well, I, then, yeah. <laughs> then you're... Anyway. Um, he was very scandalously in the midst of a divorce when they met. Oh. Which only added insult to injury for Kathleen's mother, Rose, because Fitzwilliam was also <gasps> a Protestant. Oh, no. Rose even went so far as to threaten to disown Kathleen if she married... Fitzwilliam. I would have been like, fine, bye. Right, I mean, I feel like you don't really need the money if you're marrying an earl. Also, you're the widow of a Marquess, so that's gotta have something in it. 
like at this point you're already disconnected from your family in that way so i i don't i don't know the details of the finances that's fair however kathleen would not be dissuade well of course not this is kick we're talking about yes right kick kennedy has no time for your garbage rose (laughs) i just love it she seems great indeed uh, in May 1948, Kathleen learned that her father would be traveling to Paris. And so in an effort to gain his blessing for her upcoming plans to marry Fitzwilliam, she decided to fly to France to meet with her father. Kennedy should not get on planes. I'm already feeling gross about this. Okay, go ahead. Unfortunately, oh, the couple's plane never arrived. On May 13th, 1948, en route to France, their plane encountered dramatic turbulence, rising and falling several thousand feet at a time, and eventually crashed. Um, Kathleen Kennedy and Peter Fitzwilliam were instantly killed, along with their pilot and navigator. Why Kennedys don't get on planes? Just don't go anywhere. Just don't go anywhere. You want to survive? Don't go anywhere. Okay, but at this point, the only plane death that had occurred was their her older brother, and that was a wartime accident. Yeah, but but Kick. She wanted to marry this man, Emma. I know. She was making it happen. Uh. Joseph Kennedy Sr., her father, was the only Kennedy to attend the funeral. Which was put on by the Cavendish family, so by her late husband's family. Which I'm like, shout out to you, classy British people. Yeah. It, I mean, she was trying to marry someone else only a couple years later. But I'm sure she's, I mean, she's technically a Cavendish still. Because she, she right. wasn't married I just yet, feel so. like that would be an awkward... Yeah, but you, I mean, she but loved, I mean, I it's not know. that she didn't love their son. Right. Right, right, right. So. It's just, I think it would be an interesting Christmas oh, yeah. dinner. It would be very interesting. Um, but yeah, so Joseph Kennedy was the only Kennedy to attend the funeral, which was held in Europe. Rose reportedly later called Kathleen's untimely death, quote, God pointing a finger. <gasps> okay, I hate this woman. Yeah. Like, I really don't like her. Not great. I really don't like her. You can have, like, I'm sure she has some mental health issues that were not taken care of because of the time period. But woman, those are the, those are the words you choose to use about your daughter's death. Oh my gosh. All right. So maybe she's the curse. Continue. Flash forward to 1963. Jack Kennedy, a.k.a. JFK, is now president of the United States. Woo! His wife, Jackie, gives birth to Patrick Beauvoir Kennedy on August 7th, and he is premature at the time of his death, or his birth. He is premature at the time of his birth. This was Jacqueline Kennedy's fifth pregnancy. In 1955, she had a miscarriage. In 1956... They had a daughter named Arabelle who was stillborn. Aww. Their daughter Caroline was born in 1957. 
and JFK Jr. was born in late 1960, just 17 days after his father's election to president. Aww. So Patrick, who's this new new little baby, uh, he was the first baby born to an active president since the 1800s. Which I thought was interesting, but also makes sense. Like, you don't really want to deal with being pregnant while also being first lady of the United States. Yeah. Although I'm sure that's hard to maneuver. But, yeah. True. Well, also, they were Catholic, so. That's true. Unfortunately, uh, Patrick Bouvard Kennedy dies at two days old due to respiratory distress syndrome. Um, And without going super in-depth, because this is already going to be a longer episode. Uh, JFK himself had many health issues for basically his entire life. Um, One of the sources in the show notes goes very in-depth into uh, his childhood, and it's just, to sum it up, he was basically very pale and frail, especially in comparison to his older brother, Joe Jr., Like, if you looked at the two Aldous Kennedy brothers, you would never pick JFK as the one that would be this political icon because pale and frail. Like, truly, reading about their childhoods, it feels like a novel. The way it all played out of, like, the expectations are on this brother, but then he tragically dies. And this other brother who was never expected to take the throne... Not the throne, but, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, like it's just it's so interesting. It's super in depth. Uh, it's in the show notes. It's a Vanity Fair piece titled Two Sons, One Destiny," which is oof, very interesting. Wow, it does sound like a novel though. It has all of those hallmarks. It's like no way, no way. This ha- it did happen. It did happen. It happened. Uh, and then I wrote attempt at a lighter hearted fun fact. <laughs> Jackie Kennedy's mother attended Sweetbriar College. Yes, I knew that one. But also she attended Barnard College. So she must have transferred. Yeah, she she graduated, I think, from Barnard. Wrong. There's no record of her completing her course of study at Barnard. Oh. But who needs a college degree in in the early times if you're going to get married? Who needs it? Sweet Briar. So that's my attempt at a fun fact. And her her last name was Beauvoir, right? Jackie Kennedy is a maiden name. Maiden name is Beauvoir. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my attempt at a fun fact. I can't get over the pale and frail comment because I was like, <gasps> me. Truly, you. Pale and frail. Indeed. Moving forward. The year 1963 was not, however, finished with the Kennedy family. On November 22nd, 1963, JFK and the First Lady were riding in an open-air limo as part of a procession through Dallas, Texas. This little tidbit makes what follows even more sad to me, but this was Jackie Kennedy's first public outing since the death of their newborn son. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh. So the president was shot by former Marine Lee Harvey Oswald and was pronounced dead shortly thereafter. Oswald was apprehended on the same day 
but denied responsibility for the assassination, claiming that he was only guilty of shooting a Dallas police officer. So he claimed that he was just being framed as a patsy for the assassination of JFK. We couldn't learn more, however, because Oswald was shot on live television while in custody of the Dallas Police Department by local nightclub owner Jack Ruby, and therefore Oswald was never formally charged with the assassination. This is where conspiracy happens. In 1964, the Warren Commission concluded that Oswald was the lone assassin of JFK. Uh However, in 1979, the United States House Select Committee on Assassinations, (laughs) or the HSCA. I didn't know that existed. I, I mean, I guess it does. Now, the HSCA concluded that the assassination was the result of a conspiracy and that Oswald did not act alone. And Emma, that brings us to the timing of today's episode. I have three words for you. The Winter Soldier. The end. Case closed. (laughs) Case closed. That is why, like, the Kennedy curse... You guys has been on our brainstorming list of topics for the podcast since before the podcast even existed. Mm-hmm. But on today, when you are listening to this, on the day this episode comes out, you know what else comes out, Emma? I do. But would you like to tell the people? Yeah. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Shannon's comes out on Disney+. Plus. I'm so excited. I have to be at work at 9 a.m., but I'm going to wake up early to watch it. Oh, my gosh. What time does it come out? I have to look it up. Oh, I but think I know it came the, out in the evening. I watched the the WandaVision finale at like eight in the morning. So, oh, well, then maybe they do I send them out check. like maybe it's like midnight or something. Exactly. But anyway, I think that that solves the case. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald might have been involved, but the Winter Soldier was the person that assassinated JFK. Mm-hmm. The end. But just. Jests aside, truthfully, the assassination of JFK could be its own specific episode of this podcast because there are so many conspiracy theories. Um, These include the alleged involvement of the CIA, Mm -hmm. the mafia, Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson, Cuban Prime Minister Fidel Castro, the KGB, or some combination of the above. I would be totally Um, fine if you did like a follow up episode because i well, want to hear I'd about be it totally all. fine if you wanted to do it too oh so, ooh, that's we'll true see. i could you know i could actually do my research for once <laughs> that's what are you talking about you do your research for your episodes yeah i know i just i feel like i do it i, I figure out what my episode's gonna be like two days before we record and i'm like oh no i have to figure out all my research <laughs> Please let the record reflect that I did not do all of this research last night. I'm very proud of you. I did it the last two nights. I'm very proud of you. Honestly, that is an accomplishment for us, you guys. We are are perpetually busy people in whose downtime we decide to binge watch television and TikTok and listen to podcasts and, you know, take care of ourselves and clean our rooms and things. But yeah, it's, it's, we do it for you. Yeah, we do it for you. We do it for you. You know, I did get to go to bed last night at like 
12.15 instead of one thirty. So. Oh, I'm so proud. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, all right. Now that everyone's back from listening or from watching the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, because mm-hmm. I don't blame you if you paused and ran over to your little TV. Next up, we're still talking about the assassina- uh, assassination. Assassination. We're still talking about the assassination of JFK. But I think this part is fascinating. If you remember what I was talking about at the beginning about how calculated this family can be about their image. We've already touched on that a little bit in terms of, um, you know, removing Rosemary Kennedy essentially from the equation. Uh, they even downplayed Kick Kennedy's death in, attempt, in an attempt to, like, help JFK's political career. They didn't Ugh. want to distract from him. Um, yeah, don't, don't want to distract from our son's political career when our daughter just died a tragic death. Well, it was also viewed as a scandalous situation. Which because... makes no sense. But yes. Okay, fine. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't excuse their behavior. She did start her romantic relationship with Fitzwilliam while he was in the process of being divorced. So he was technically married, which for well, some people... Some people married is married and separated is an, an option, especially if you're Catholic. But anyway, um, on the same day of the tragedy of JFK's assassination, this is when First Lady Jackie Kennedy cements her husband's legacy in the eyes of history. She's quoted by Life magazine as saying the following. Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for a brief shining moment that was known as Camelot. She's quoting the musical, which you can cross off on your bingo card, by the way. There will be great presidents again, but there will never be another Camelot. It will never be that way again. And and then I have a little blurb from one of my sources. Um, quote, from the photo of Kennedy's son saluting his father's coffin to pictures of Kennedy gallivanting with his brothers, This somber yet romantic iconography was curated entirely by Jacqueline Kennedy. So, even though she's clearly going through a lot of stuff, she's like, we're going to shape this narrative and we're going to make it so that people remember him as, like, this golden boy. This, like, icon. At that point, I say, why not? Because the amount of trauma that she's gone through... Might as well try and make something good out of it, but... Wow. She... This makes me want to watch the movie that they... Like, the biopic they made about her and read, like, all the books I can about her because... Jackie Kennedy, she accompanies her husband's body back to Andrews Air Air Force Base here in the D.C. area, wearing the same suit that she wore during the shooting. Mm -hmm. And when her, like, assistant or someone on her staff asked her if she wanted to clean up, if she wanted to change. She said, quote, let them see what they've done. So she gets off the plane, and I have a photo of this on the Instagram. She gets off the plane, and her suit has her husband's blood stains on it. And this stained Chanel suit, which is, like, bright pink, um, is now part of the National Archives. It was officially gifted by Jackie's daughter, Caroline, following her mother's passing, um, the archives had the suit since 1964, but because the original, like, on loan person passed away, they had to 
Ask paperwork, for, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, but Caroline did that. Uh, with the provision that the suit not be seen by the public till 2103. So 2103. Whoa. So we're never going to see this in our lifetime, Emma. Unless we sneak into the archives. Well, we don't have special... Actually, like... No. Like, they talked about in the article. This is also... It's in the New York Times. It's in the show notes. Um, They talked about how other artifacts from the assassination... If you have a special research permit, like, you can go and, like, see the gun that Oswald used or see different things. But, like, nobody, there aren't really any reports of anyone being able to see the suit. I find that interesting, though, because in terms of conservation, as someone who does this, um, I don't do fabric conservation, textile conservation. But um, they would have to have someone taking care of it or at least. Well, yes. Yes. But that's part of the staff. That's not the public. Well, that's what I'm saying. We get we 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 infiltrate the staff, Shannon. You want us to national treasure? Yes, Jackie Kennedy. Is it weird that I want to see that? I mean, you can see photos. And there's also um, they the archives also have the pillow that uh, Abraham Lincoln died on. Yeah, and Ford's theater has like his hat and his cloak that he was wearing when he was shot. Yeah, they in the article they talk about how conservators can't think of another item of like such iconic clothing that's in museum collection but also not viewable by the public i mean fair that's a very niche space anyway but yeah but i just think that's it's very interesting it's fascinating Um, and the article goes into it a little bit further but um there's no official confirmation of who initially donated the suit um but all the sources around Jackie Kennedy are essentially sum up that she would nothing would have happened without her say so. So it was probably yeah, her. I would imagine so, especially with the way that she held herself during that day and the way that she cultivated the story surrounding it. There's no way that she didn't say give this to the National Archives. Yeah. And then to kind of conclude this, wrap up this little section, I have another quote. Uh, Kennedy's time in the White House following his inauguration in 1961 to that dark day in November, nearly three days later, was cast as a time of burgeoning cheer and optimism. A brief golden moment cut short before it could blossom into the full lasting brilliance of a golden age. And I think for a lot of people, that's how they remember John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Despite the fact that we, there are so many accounts and well-documented, uh, you know, accounts of his philandry, his misbehavior. He, he was not loyal to his wife whatsoever. Nope. At all. Um, he had affairs with many people, famous and otherwise. And potentially Marilyn Monroe. But. Indeed, and was Marilyn Monroe taken out Maybe. by government agents? That's one relationship with JFK. That's one that uh, I already know that I'm gonna stack. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get there, and it's gonna be fun, and it's gonna be great. I'm so excited. Well, I wouldn't say fun. Well, no, you're right. It's not genuinely fun. It's interesting. Interesting. You guys know. This is a not, scholarly endeavor. Yeah, you should know by this point. It isn't that we find any of these tragedies or like conspiracies that people buy into 
fun for real. It's just fun to research. On a rare occasion, some of them are fun. Like Denver Airport is fun. That's true. That one was fun. Because it's silly. Yeah. You know? And then (laughs) in my notes, I typed... LOL, at this point in my notes, a Lana Del Rey song came on in my playlist. And I think that's so funny because I read online, somebody made the joke that all of Lana Del Rey's music sounds the way it does because she wanted to get with JFK and she never had the opportunity to. <laughs> what, like she's the Marilyn, the musical version of Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> Not that she, but like she's obsessed with him and like the vibe. And I feel like once you hear that and then you listen to her music, you're like, that checks out. You yeah. have, like, JFK daddy issues. Uh, yeah. So I, I just mean, thought it was funny sure. that it came up on the playlist. Feel free to but listen anyway. to Lana for yourself and make a decision. I mean, I wouldn't because she's kind of problematic. But she is problematic. Get into it. But her music is interesting. Sure. <laughs> So at this point, Emma, if you were a member of the Kennedy family, wouldn't you just avoid airplanes in general? Yeah. I mean, I already do, but yeah. Yeah. So in 1964, JFK's younger brother, Senator Ted Kennedy, was in a plane crash on his way to campaign in Massachusetts. Fortunately, Kennedy and his wife survived. But his aide, Edward Moss, and the pilot, Edwin Zimney, died. Kennedy himself spent five months in the hospital and experienced lifelong back injuries as a result of this accident. Next up, we have JFK's (laughs) younger brother, Robert. Uh, Robert served as a political support throughout the president's career, eventually serving as his attorney general. Following his brother's assassination, Robert gained some political standing himself. Four years after the tragedy of his brother's death, Robert won the California Democratic presidential primary on June 5th, 1968. Unfortunately, he would never have the chance to truly campaign for the office held by his late brother as he too was assassinated. Shortly after midnight, so he just won the Democratic primary in California. Shortly after midnight, RFK was shot by, Sir, by a man named Sirhan Basara Sirhan with a 22 pistol in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. RFK died shortly thereafter at the young age of 32. Ugh. And Sirhan was originally sentenced to death, but is now serving a life sentence uh, for the murder of Robert F. Kennedy because uh, California abolished the death penalty. So he's serving a life sentence in California. And Sirhan, he is a Palestinian, and he reportedly said that he killed Kennedy because he supported Israel. So that's the end of that. Golly. It's just... Like, at every turn, there's just something. But I think, and I think this has a, the ability, and I think Jackie saw this and used it to her, to the advantage of the Kennedys, um, that because they seem to all have perished young, 
or, you know, tragedy strikes them young, that there is the ability to create this golden narrative out of it all. Regardless of problematic things, um, they're able to make a beautiful narrative out of out of tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to circle back to Ted Kennedy. Yeah. Who, out of everyone in this family, has a lot of luck in the midst of all this mess. However, would not recommend getting into any sort of vehicle with him if you ever go back in time travel. No. Would not recommend getting in any sort of plane, train, no. automobile with Ted Kennedy. No. So on July 18th, 1969... Ted Kennedy accidentally drove his car off a bridge on Chappaquiddick Island in Massachusetts, which unfortunately resulted in the drowning death of his 28-year-old passenger, Mary Jo Kopechny. Kennedy was able to escape the car and supposedly tried to rescue Mary Jo. Regardless of his back injury. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, once he reached the shore, he swam to shore, he returned to his hotel room for the night and did not contact the police. The authorities were not called until around 8 a.m. when the sunken car was spotted by some local fishermen. A diver concluded that Kopechny had actually died of asphyxiation, not drowning. She'd been breathing through an air bubble for three to four hours waiting for rescue. That's awful. Yeah. So that implies that if he had gone to get the police, it's possible that she could have been saved. Well, and even if he had, he could have seen that she was still alive. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That. Oh, my gosh. I So that's also, I feel like, a story that could be very much like an entire podcast episode. Um, because it is rife with conspiracy. Oh, is it? Yes. All right. Well, I'll leave that one for you. (laughs) Kennedy asserted that he was not under the influence of alcohol at the time of the crash, but I'm like, why else would you, like, you would have, I mean, I guess, yes, you crashed in a car and you almost drowned yourself, so you might be in shock, but... I don't see how you can, like, swim to shore and then get back to your hotel room if you're so dramatically affected. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah. if you're so dramatically affected that you don't call the police, then yeah, what you might have been drunk. Also, why did you drive off a bridge? Um, in his televised statement a week later, the senator said that on the night of the accident, He wondered, quote, whether some awful curse did actually hang over all the Kennedys. And this was the first public acknowledgement by a member of the Kennedy family of this seemingly disproportionate amount of misfortune that they had faced. Uh, In 2018, there was a movie titled Chappaquiddick that was released, and it looks at the accident and the power of the Kennedy family as they work to save their image save his image, his political career. And while he did, Ted Kennedy did continue on in politics as a senator, this incident and what I think is his poor behavior in its aftermath likely kept him from ever running for the office of president, uh, which I think is interesting. It's like, oh, Americans only care 
to do research about the background of the president, but they don't care about like their state senators. I it's just interesting. Or it's just the name. Like they're just like, well, he could do all of the all of these awful things, but he's a Kennedy. So I guess. Uh, right. And now we're entering the section that I've titled The Wiki Rundown of Tragedy. <laughs> because I got to a point where I was like, I cannot go in depth into all of these more recent incidents. I will note that I am leaving out incidents of what I view to be bad behavior. So various Kennedys have faced charges for sexual assault, murder, public intoxication, But to me, those feel like a separate category outside of this curse, because that's really like you chose that behavior. Maybe some people would argue it's like, oh, it's something in their blood. It's something in their destiny that they're I don't I don't buy into that. So if you're expecting certain incidents to be mentioned and they aren't, I clearly think that's bad behavior. So. All right. Here we go. Rapid fire. Bam, 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 bam. In the early 1960s, the original Joseph Kennedy Sr., he goes mute following a stroke. Oh. So, unfortunate. November 17th, 1973, Edward M. Kennedy Jr., at age 12, has his right leg surgically amputated as a result of bone cancer. He's the son of Senator Ted Kennedy. And according to Barack Obama's most recent book, uh, this experience with Edward Kennedy Jr. uh, inspired a passion for, in the senator, for accessible health care for all. And he called health care for all, quote, the cause of my life. Um, So the fact that Obama was able to pass Obamacare um, healthcare for all within the senator's lifetime was a very big deal mm-hmm. um, for him, and that's cool. Uh, all right, 1984. David A. Kennedy dies of a drug overdose in a Palm Beach, Florida hotel room. He is the fourth of Robert Kennedy's eleven kids. Oh my gosh, I did not know he had that many children. He was only what 32 when he died. Yeah. Holy crap, man. Irish Catholics. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So, and he actually heard the news about his father's assassination on live television while he was alone in the family hotel room. And I believe he was only, like, 12, 10 or 12 at that time. So that's incredibly traumatic if you're just, like, watching the news by yourself and it's like, BTW, your dad died. Um. I'm sorry. I just got scared out of my mind. The cat is scratching at the closet door, and all I could hear is like the scratching noises, and it terrified me for a moment. It's the monkey. He's coming for you. Don't even. I almost went and found. I, he's back in his spot, so I don't know what happened, but he's back in his spot. I almost brought him to sit here but then i was like i don't want to look at him so no yeah i know you'd have to share the space yeah mm-mm, mm-mm. are you letting the cat in i don't know if she's still there oh it wasn't the cat it was my mother oh <laughs> she left a note <laughs> give me a second and 
now I'm going to talk about Emma while she's not here. Emma is so silly. <laughs> she says, they are gone for an hour if you want to eat something. <laughs> the workman downstairs. <laughs> Thanks, that terrified me. I thought it was the cat scratching. It was her putting a tax return envelope <laughs> underneath the door. With that that with contrasts that. when I was at your house because your father, the bone shaman, was taking out my wisdom teeth Yes, at his office. It wasn't like on the back deck or anything. But I heard a meow outside my guest room door and I thought it was you yep. because that's what you would do in college and like when you lived in this house with me, you would meow at the door. So I meowed back and then the door didn't open. And I was like, oh, weird. And I went and opened the door and it was actually your brother's cat yep. coming to say hi to me. But I thought she was you. Yep. But I mean, not a bad uh, situation, though, you know, ends up no. ends up not being your her. best friend, but a cat. So I love her. She is everyone's best friend. Yes, she is. She is the sweetest cat. She's a lot, but she's the sweetest. Yeah. All right. Sorry. We're back. We're back. It's okay. Brief interlude for the tragedy, and now we're back. Yes. So on December 31st, 1997, Michael Lemoyne Kennedy died in a skiing accident at age 39 after crashing into a tree in Aspen, Colorado. Jeez. He is Robert Kennedy's sixth child. And the accident was described, and I do not want to speak ill of the dead. Uh-oh. But the following statement is about the most rich white boy thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> Lay it on me. They, they were, quote, playing American football on skis. What? So I think they were just, like, tossing a football back and forth, like, maybe keep away, but they were on the slopes on skis. That's, uh, okay, that's, you know those photos of, like, this is why most women last longer than men, and it's, like, an, a, a ladder, like, almost horizontal between two walls over a staircase? This is what that reminds me of. Yeah. And also the inquest revealed that he wasn't wearing a helmet or any other kind of safety gear. Dude. So not great. It was also New Year's though. New Year's oh, Eve. So maybe, so maybe he was a little like drinking. Um next up is an incident that probably many people have heard of or recall in the news. On July sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine, John F. Kennedy Jr. and his wife, Carolyn Bissett Kennedy died when the plane that he, the JFK Jr., was piloting crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. The crash was attributed to pilot error and spatial disorientation. Um, His sister-in-law, Lauren Bissett, also died in the crash. And this was seen as an extra tragedy, I think, in terms of media coverage, because they were definitely an it couple of the 90s. I'm sure, yeah. Um, You know, many people compare their glamour and their charm to that of JFK Jr.'s iconic parents. Yeah. Um, So, very sad. August 25th, 2009. 
At age 77, Senator Ted Kennedy passed away after receiving treatment for a malignant glioma, thanks Grey's Anatomy, um, a type of cancerous brain tumor. Oh. So, just sad. Like, his son had cancer when he was 12. He had cancer later in his life, I will say. Not many Kennedys make it to age 77. So. Yeah, so, I mean, you're lucky, man. I mean, he, on he, you, Ted. He's the weird, he's the, he's the one with the weird luck. Right? Yeah. But it's still, like, it's, it's like, tragedy's been chasing him his whole life, and it yeah. finally caught up. Yeah. Almost. Um, September 16th, 2011, Kara Kennedy, daughter of Ted Kennedy, died of a heart attack while exercising in a Washington, D.C. health club. She reportedly suffered from lung cancer nine years earlier, but she had recovered after the removal of part of her right lung. So again, this is the third member in just this specific branch of the family that's faced with cancer. But then it's like she dodged the cancer bullet and then she has a heart attack. Like, so sad. So much tragedy. All right. So May 2012, Mary Richardson Kennedy, who was the former wife of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., died by suicide on the grounds of her home in Bedford, uh, Westchester County, New York. Aww. So at this point, it's like relatives... Uh, you know, people who are technically not blood related to the Kennedys, but they are, they married in, they, yeah, everybody. Um, August 2019, Sersha Kennedy Hill, the granddaughter of Robert F. Kennedy, uh, she dies of an accidental drug overdose at the Kennedy compound in Cape Cod. And then as recently as last year, on April 2nd, 2020, uh, Maeve Kennedy McKean and Gideon McKean, her eight-year-old son, went missing during a canoe trip in the Chesapeake Bay. She's the granddaughter of Robert Kennedy and the grandniece of President JFK. Uh, Maeve's body was found on April 6th. Gideon's body was found on April 8th. Uh, Authorities believe Maeve paddled to retrieve a ball, leading the wind and the current to overturn the canoe. So... That's kind of the end of the list of the Wikipedia list of tragedy. Everybody wear a life vest. Seriously. Especially if you're an eight-year-old. Right. Uh, Just. And like, it just reminded me of what happened with Naya Rivera last year as well. I know. That was so sad. Wear a life vest, you guys. It doesn't. Your Instagram pictures will still look good. Um Uh, Here's a little what I thought was a fun fact. Um, There was a member of the Kennedy family in political office continuously from 1946 when John F. Kennedy was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives until early 2011 when Patrick J. Kennedy left the House of Representatives. The only the only exception at that in that time um, was the period where JFK resigned from the Senate in December 1960, and then was inaugurated as the president in January of the following year. Yeah. That makes, and then yeah. uh, in 2013, Joseph P. Kennedy III was elected U.S. representative from Massachusetts, and he served until this year. Yeah. Remember that, so, too. Kennedys, they're everywhere, everywhere in politics. 
They married the Schwarzeneggers, too. Yeah. Um, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere. So, this brings me to the final question. What is the source of this so-called Kennedy curse? <laughs> uh, I thought this was very funny because people in the YouTube comments seem to have it all figured out. Of course, they always do. One person commented, My grandfather told me how the Kennedy curse started. It was because many years ago, their great-grandfather sold weapons to the enemy. Didn't specify which <laughs> enemy. What year it was. No idea. And then somebody responded, and just the, the level of confidence, but no, like, follow-up of new knowledge just really tickles me in this response. Several people have sold weapons to the enemy. Why pick on this Kennedy great-grandfather? Selling weapons to the enemy cannot be the cause of a generational curse. I mean, there's a portion of that where I agree, and then there's so much of it where I go, okay. Um, I just want to be like, hmm? what's your source? Is your grandmother a witch? Are you a witch? (laughs) Do you have a manual on generational curses? What's the situation? Where is your curse book? I need to know. Where, what, what, what portion of the index should I be looking at? Right? G for generational. Mm. Mm. Or W for weapons? I don't know. I don't know. So, Edward Klein, who's the author of The Kennedy Curse, Why Tragedy Has Haunted America's First Family for 150 Years, he relayed a rumor in this book. He shared a rumor that was told to him by Jewish mystics. Oh, golly. That a rabbi had hexed family patriarch Joseph Kennedy in the 1930s, quote, damning him and all his male offspring to tragic fates, unquote, because the two men got into a dispute on a boat. Okay, but this just feeds into the anti-Semitism of it all. But also... Also, it, it doesn't cover yeah, all of the tragedy. Let's talk about Rosemary. What about Kick? What about all of the, like, that, no, no, wrong, incorrect, I don't agree. Well, so neither does Klein. He shared that in his book as, like, some people say this. He himself believes that the Kennedys were cursed by a fatal, quote, thrill-seeking gene. (gasps) This is what my father-in-law believes. Embedded in their DNA. Yeah. It didn't, my article did not offer any additional information on that. I don't know how you would even determine that genetically, scientifically. I think it's a level of testosterone um, because that's like the the hormone that makes you take risks. Um, But it wouldn't explain the tragedy of kick it wouldn't explain poor rosemary it wouldn't explain like the fact that ted is still was still alive at 77 (laughs) like yeah i mean uh last time i checked sitting in a car an open air car is not a risk-taking activity right yeah maybe becoming president in itself is inherently that yeah i think that's where that comes from but i it, it yeah, I don't. That's when I asked my father-in-law what his favorite conspiracy theory was. It was that there was a thrill-seeking gene in the Kennedys, and that's why they were cursed. 
So the the most complete legend or origin story that I could find for the Kennedy curse comes from a publication titled Ireland's Big Issue. Okay. And so according to legend, Thomas, quote, or nicknamed Honey Fitz, Fitzgerald. Honey Fitz. Who was JFK's great-grandfather on his mother Rose's side, interfered with a cursed treasure trove in the 1840s and used the proceeds to set himself up in business in America. So according to this, it's actually Rose, the woman that you don't like. It's her family's fault. It's her genes. Maybe that's why she's that so are bitter. the curses. Perhaps. But I mean, it also explains why nothing happened before their family. True. So maybe it was just because something happened in hers and then she became bitter and passed it on. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. So the legend goes that it's 1842 in a place called... Urid in County Galway, Ireland. I tried to look up how to pronounce it, guys. YouTube was not helpful. But apparently, Urid, Urid, however it's said. It's Irish. It's fine. It means golden village. And it's very remote. It was, in fact, the last place in Ireland to become electrified. The first light bulb arrived there in 19... 80. Oh my gosh. So oh, idyllic, old school, mm, mm, removed. Smells like sheep. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so there are, at this time, the early 19, or, 1840s, uh, there are a lot of starving people. They've been turned out of their homes in yep. some cases. Yep. It's, I wrote, V bad times. <laughs> So, the protagonist of our story, Honey Fitz. I still, I can't. Who named him that? Who did that to him? Well, you'll find out. He gained this nickname because of the following Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, So, he was from Loch Gur in County Limerick. Ooh. And apparently, he had dreamed of this, of a village of gold nestled. Amidst the lakes and the mountains. An Irish El Dorado? Essentially, yes. And he spent years traveling, trying to find this place that he had seen in his dreams. Which, I mean, if the economy is is going to dirt and there is no work to be had, might as well. Yeah, why not? That works as a retirement plan as well as sitting next to the fire and being sad. So. Yeah, it gives you something to do. Something productive with your life. Yeah, go for it. What? Why are you looking so wistful? No, I'm not. There are a bunch of sirens. Can you hear them? Mm-mm. Okay, good. So he, while he was traveling, he would talk up locals at the various fairs and gatherings to try and kind of get a read on information if anyone knew anything one day at a fair in galway city an o'malley man is how they were described (laughs) and i meant to look it up because it was not like it wasn't like george o'malley it was an o'malley man it was maybe just a yeah man of the the clan clan. (laughs) 
the man of the clan of O'Malley. Perhaps. Um, but he is from the Urid area. And he seemed to know what Fitz was talking about, but he didn't know specifically like where the treasure was buried. Or if he did, he wasn't going to tell this random guy. So Fitzgerald moves to this area to continue his quest. He's not just searching for treasure, though. He's, like, working with sheep for, like, one of the local I told you. It smells like sheep. (laughs) Truly. And then I'm just going to read this portion of the story from the article because they did it so well. And you know what? This is not an academic paper. Nope. So me copying and pasting is not that bad. Also, I'm citing my source. It's so. it's acceptable. Thank you. You're welcome. So this is still from Ireland's Big Issue. It's available in the show notes. <clears throat> William McGuire takes up the story. They came upon an old traveling woman on the road, and she was dying, so they put her down by the fire for the night in a herdsman house owned by the family landlords, a house which fits subsequently bought when he became rich. When the woman recovered the next morning and awoke, she examined the big black pot hanging in the hearth. It had Ugram writing on it, and she could read it, and it said, the other side of the tree is just as good. To the people of the household, it was a cryptic message about the message of Urid's crock of gold, but not to Thomas Fitzgerald. He knew all about the ancient pot hanging in the fireside hearth and, more importantly, where it came from. Fitzgerald had found a similar pot already. It was a big black pot for cooking in, so that, so that is how he knew where to dig. The treasure was buried under an old hawthorn tree. Fitzgerald dug around the tree and found a hoard of gold coins and shared them with the O'Malley's. And it was from the gold that he got the nickname Honey Fitz. However, the gold coins were supposed to be very unlucky, and people were afraid to touch them. However, some did. It was said afterward that there was terrible bad luck for any family that took the gold. They had terrible misfortune afterwards. This is one of my favorite stories currently now, because... It's just so Irish. It's so Irish. It's about luck and gold and like cryptic messages. Like it's so like kind of mystical, but not. And it's all his fault, even though he was just following following the clues. (laughs) Oh, but it's bad luck. But it's bad luck. The origin of the gold itself was said to be that it had washed ashore from part of the Spanish Armada. So maybe it had bad juju Um. because it had, like, wartime money. I don't know. Like I said, Ireland's Big Issue is the only source that could offer me any sort of definitive... Well, not definitive, but, you know, like, more fleshed out... Comprehensive. Everybody, everybody's wanting to talk about the Kennedy curse, but they are just doing what I just did, which is tell you all the terrible things that have happened. I'm like, okay, but where did this curse come from? Because curse to me implies that it has been placed upon you. Yes. But maybe people just say Kennedy curse as in a way to sum up all of the bad things that have happened. 
I will point out that as Irish Roman Catholics, basically all of the earlier generations of this family had many, many children, which makes the breadth of the family even larger. And I think the more people, the more likely there are to be accidents. Yeah, the probability is higher. Also, if you're rich and famous, more people are paying attention and they're more willing to spend time connecting the dots or making a podcast about it. Hello. You know what I mean? Like, and and one of the articles mentioned um, Mary Jo Kopechny, the woman who died after the Chappaquiddick car crash with Ted Kennedy. Her family had a lot of other bad things happen besides her untimely death. But because, you know what, no one's ever going to talk about a Kopechny curse. Yeah. Because they aren't interesting to the general public. So I feel like that's kind of my summation of the curse. Like maybe it's not a cast upon, it's just a catch-all phrase to culturally acknowledge all of the bad juju that's happened. I think that's fair. I think too, like we could go through just those nine children of uh, Rose and um, Joe and just be like, this is the Kennedy curtain, like encapsulated in them and their descendants. But even then, that's, first of all, like nine kids. Robert had 11. Like, there, there's so many, like, even just from there disseminating further down, it's an incredible amount of people. So the probability is just super high regardless. Um, I also think because, and I can say this because I'm Irish. When you're Irish, everything bad that happens to you is just bad luck and something's cursed and something's wrong. Like, it's never, like, just things happen. It's always like, <gasps> you've been struck. Like, kind of what, uh, which is horrible to think about, kind of what Rose said about Kick's death. <laughs> like, uh-uh. That, but, like, if you, if they believed that, wouldn't maybe they you'd think that they would have like taken a step back and been like oh maybe god's pointing a finger that we shouldn't be in politics no because that would mean that they wouldn't be able to do what they wanted truly so yeah um in 2009 ted kennedy jr and representative patrick kennedy appeared on larry king live on cnn to discuss the passing of their father senator ted kennedy King asked them if they believed in the concept of a Kennedy curse. Patrick Kennedy said, no, no. Obviously, my dad had a sense of spirituality that transcended his ability to face these problems. You know, in a way that would have otherwise paralyzed the normal person. And then Ted Kennedy Jr. added, The Kennedy family has had to endure these things in a very open way. But our family is just like every other family in America in many ways. So I think Patrick is kind of saying, like, there was so much that my dad and maybe other relatives in the family needed to be able to say, oh, it was this curse, because otherwise they would have to process it as their reality in a more concrete way, and that would just be too... Yeah, I feel like that's a good summation of that, too. Like, obviously, these men are also politicians and good speakers and all that. But that is a very clear summation of exactly what I think 
is true about the Kennedys. So that's all I have. Very that's well done. A very summed up version of the Kennedy curse. There are countless books and movies and documentaries and things. So if you have an interest, I'm sure you can find a way to learn more. Yeah. And check out our show notes. Yes. And there may be a few episodes now on some deep dives into a couple of these because now I'm super interested. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I will say this is a completely other side note. You said deep dive and it made me think of Chappaquiddick. Yeah. Um, and I had the thought last night while finalizing my research. Massachusetts, who hurt you? Why do you have so many letters in all of your words? Is it because you're so small? Did, did you feel slighted as a colony? Well, it's like Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut were uh, states with a very high Native American population before they all got pushed out. Um, so they kept the names for... So, like, if you see any Rhode Island name, like Pawtucket or, like, anything like that, it's all Narragansett uh, Indian or um, Mohawk or anything like that. Native American names that kind of stuck, mostly because they didn't feel like changing it. But, yeah, it's a lot of letters. But it's I'll basically you- just anglicizing native words i'll give them a pass then yeah but i was like they don't get a pass on worcester when i first saw chappaquiddick i was like excuse me yeah i god bless god bless you and then i watched a video and i was like oh okay for once it actually is kind of pronounced the way it's yeah they don't get a pass on worcester um mostly because that's a that's an english name that's an english word uh so yeah no no, you don't get to all of the native all of the all of the Native American words are pronounced with every single letter. There's no not a letter missing. Whereas all of the all of the English words are like, well, I hope you know how to I know hope you know how to say this. Good luck. <laughs> I feel like it's just uh, it's just them like setting up safeguards against outsiders. It is. You know, cuz then you feel like, oh, you're a tourist. See, See but that's that's what this. that's what the Irish did when uh, the English uh, colonized the, so Oam the the original Irish Celtic language um, when they anglicized it and tried to write things out that's why there's so many vowels in, in Irish words because the Irish were like yeah we're going to we're, we're gonna take your your uh, anglicized like your Latin letters perfect fine yeah we'll do that but we're gonna mess with them and they said a resounding feck you yeah we're going to name our kids Siobhan and Neve and Owen, but it's going to have a G in it. <laughs> Good luck, elementary school teachers of the future. <laughs> very well done. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. This I was try. awesome. Everyone, uh, thank you for joining us. Go enjoy. Well, go rate, review, and subscribe for my birthday. And then go yes. enjoy... The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. I think I did good. I think I did good. I mean, you didn't shout at us this time. I know. (laughs) Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, bye.